0: Congregation has turned to the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 21, question 56. Lord's Day 21, question 56. What believest thou concerning the forgiveness of sins? Answer that God. For the sake of Christ's satisfaction will no more remember my sins, neither my corrupt nature, against which I have to struggle all my life long, but will graciously impute to me the righteousness of Christ, that I may never be condemned before the tribunal of God. So far. The theme tonight, the forgiveness of our sins. And with the help of the Lord four thoughts. The need of forgiveness. The definition of forgiveness. What is it? The goal of forgiveness? What is it for? And believing in the forgiveness personally. So the forgiveness of our sins, the need of forgiveness. The definition of forgiveness, the goal of forgiveness, and believing in forgiveness. Congregation, young friends, why would we talk about forgiveness? What's the reason? Many don't even believe in good and bad anymore. Many atheists say evil is only evil if the society condemns it. If the society has a problem with it, then it's a sin, then it's it's wrong, then it's evil. As long as people are fine with it, there's no harm anyone, there's no sin. And the list of what sin is is getting shorter and shorter in our society. The Bible teaches that we have ten commandments. If you don't obey them, that's a Sin. The Bible teaches us that we are sinners ourselves. That means rebels and broken with God. Unwilling people, unwilling to serve and to follow the Lord by nature. Hardening our hearts every year again, getting harder and harder, and resisting the Lord with all our strength, failing to please the Lord having become enemies of him, preferring all things over him, idolaters. We need him only when we need help. Like when we go to the hospital, children, you go to the emergency room, why? You have hurt yourself. It's a problem. You don't go there to see the doctor. You don't go there to see him or her. No, it's your problem. And so many have a need of God to be helped in their problems and not for God himself. And the also notices all the sins. He's all-knowing, omnipresent, omniscient, and we need forgiveness. Because our sins don't just disappear. Like a morning cloud. Sins are tough they create guilt and stain us, and sins are not automatically forgiven, like some churches teach us. We are children of the covenant. We are fine. The Lord is gracious. He is forgiving. Nothing needs to happen. He is is forgiving anyway. So we sin. We sin with a word, in behavior, In condition, realize that our sins make us a sinful person. We are offending the Lord. May we pray also tonight that the Lord may show us the enormousness of our sins. Sin is a crime. crime. All sins are a crime. There are no petty sins. All sins are sins against the holy righteous. Good doing all knowing God against his standards, against his holy character character. So not loving to worship him is a sin. Not serving him and fall away and asking him for guidance is a sin. We often misuse things, he waste his gifts, we spoil things, we hurt him, we grieve the almighty God, and sin is insulting him. God is less enjoyable, less lovable, less interesting than most things on earth. And we easily dismiss him. Easily dismiss him. Don't, don't We don't want him. Do we? Do we truly really want him and desire him and follow him and seek him? Well, there are addictions and lies and false statements and dishonesty and war against god maybe you'll be happy if you come to the conclusion that he does not even exist only christ is without sin he never raised his voice in sin was never angry in an ungodly way never disrespect his parents Always filled with compassion. He knew no sin. Isaiah 53 verse 9. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence. Neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Nothing. Nothing because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth always straightforward, always respectful, always open, always direct. Or John 8, verse 46, Which of you convinced me of sin? Lord Jesus knew he had no sin. And he could say, Or convince me then, if you know some sin, convince me, and you have nothing to convince me with. For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that he might be made the righteousness of God in him. He knew no sin. We, we know sin. We have experienced sin. We feel the consequence of sin. We harm our own consciences. We feel distant. We feel guilty. The Lord Jesus never, he knew no sin, but he was made to be sin, to make sin Righteousness of God in Him, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. Tempted like as we are, Lord Jesus was tempted by the devil, yet without sin he never gave in. He never. This great is Father. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Oh, what a difference between the Lord Jesus Christ and us. We are sinners. He was not. He had no deceit. Oh, that precious blood of Christ, as of the Lamb, without blemish, And without spot, he had no spot, no blemish, nothing. He was infinite and he was perfect. And even the best Christian is a sinner. I've a list I found in the books of J.C. Ryle about how God's people fail. Our faith. How feeble our love, people of God. How cold our works, how few, our zeal, how small, our patience, how short breathed, our humility, How threadbare. Our self-denial. How dwarfish. Our knowledge, how dim. Our spirituality, how shallow. Our prayers, how formal. Our desires, for more grace, how faint. And the list can be made much longer. about failures of God's people of the many shortcomings. For Ecclesiastes 7, Solomon speaking, for there is not a just man, not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sineth not. There's no just man that does not sin. God's people keep sinning. Wretched man, that I am. So we also need forgiveness. Also the sins, they're doing again. For in many things we offend all. All people, also God's people, are offending the Lord in many things. If any man offend not in words, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. But they don't exist. All just people, the best Christians, have many flaws. They are all gone aside. They're all together become filthy. There's none that do it good. No, not one. Also, God's people are not good. They have a new heart, they have a new will, and still sin is alive in them. So that's why we need forgiveness. Sin is belittling God, offending him. It is a war. It's a hatred. And then consider what that means. As the Lord is the Holy One of Israel, the distinct one, the incomparable Holy God. And the four beasts and each had each of them six wings about him. And they're full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Revelation 4. Oh, what, holy God, don't be tremble. knowing that enemy are sinners, God's people included, and the Lord cannot accept those sins and must punish them. We read in Habakkuk 1 verse 13 about the pure, the purity of the eyes of God. Thou art of pure eyes, then to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Therefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he. See, the Lord cannot look on iniquity; He cannot see it. He cannot stand it. Even the stars are included. Behold, even the moon, and its shine is not. Yea, the stars are not pure in his sight. In the sight of God... The twinkling stars are not pure. No wonder, the eagle's children lament. Abraham, calling out, "Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which I am but dust and ashes." Feeling so small compared to such a holy and pure God, the Creator of the universe. Behold I'm vile, Job forty. But shall I answer thee? I will lay in my hand upon my mouth. What a special thing it is. To be in your closet and to confess your sins. And to put your hand in your mouth, maybe literally. Put your hand in your mouth, but I have nothing to say. I have nothing to defend myself with. There's no reason the Lord needs to forgive me. We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses, not unrighteousnesses, no, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our, our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. So let us Take that information to your closet and consider them. Try to get to know yourself in your closet. Look into the mirror. Think through who am I? How does the Lord experience me? Why would I need forgiveness? Make that more real by milling it over by digesting it it and pray make me to know my transgressions and my sin Job 13 let me help you what you could say in your closet I am an offender Lord I have to admit it I regret it. I see now how wrong it all has been. I have no excuses. I am like a criminal. I have disobeyed the law of the Lord. I have a deceitful heart. I am an unclean person. I have rejected thy rules. I am selfish and defiant. I have acted so often in self love. And wash away, O Lord, wash it away. May it please me to take all my sins for thy account. So we need Christ's satisfaction. It is so needed. Many think lightly and trivial of the curse of God. For many, it is a no-brainer. God forgives, of course, There's nothing, of course, about that. However, it's a big thing God can also easily forgive. But it's that big. Why do we want it? Why do we want forgiveness? Well, let me give you an example. Suppose in the early morning you have a disagreement with your wife, and you say something nasty, something that you could not say, and you have hurt, and now you say, before you go home, before you leave the home, you say, you want to say, I'm sorry. Why do you say Sorry. Is it because you are concerned about supper tonight? Are you concerned because you have to uh, the whole day to live with it? It's not good. I have to fix something. I was wrong. I I need forgiveness. You don't need. You don't want it the whole day. Is it in a selfish way you say sorry? You don't mean it. You just don't like to get over it. See, that is also why some people need forgiveness from the Lord, to feel peace and to just continue on with life so that they don't have to bother about it for their psychological well-being. Forgiveness is needed because we have love the Lord, never to return unto him. Let's go to the the second thought, the definition of forgiveness. I did some study on it. There are five words in the Bible. I won't mention them. Three Hebrew words from the Old Testament and two Greek words from the New Testament. Explaining a little bit what forgiveness is. So let me just go to the explanation of it. The first one, the first Hebrew word, studied does, a word that means cleansing, washing away, Erasing, Erasing sin, cancelling of the pollution and guilt. So we need to be washed and cleansed because of our guilt. But also because of the pollution. Here we talk about forgiveness, about justification. And also justification is a cleansing thing, to be washed and cleansed from our guilt. Because sin causes stain, right? Your children are in with paint and need to clean up. Sometimes there is paint on the grass floor or something, and it can be so hard to get it out. So the paint is the sin, and the stain is the guilt, and the guilt that stays with you. Maybe you have a, a stain on, on the grass floor that's there for years, and so we are for years we are stained in our conscience, our heart. And to have us forgiven, the Lord needs to take the stain out. All the all the, all, the, all the all the memory of the sin is gone. The second word is to carry away. To take a burden off someone's back and to say, I will carry it, I will carry it away. Think, for example, of the Day of Atonement the high priest was holding both his hands on the head of the scapegoat and loaded all the sins and transgressions of the people on that animal. By the way, an innocent animal. And after he had done that, he called one of the young men there close by and said, Come here, take this animal along. Bring it away to the desert and make sure it doesn't come back. It needs to carry away, to carry along all the guilt of the people. So that is also atonement, right? That is forgiveness. So to take that sin away. So it's not your sin anymore. It is solved. It is gone. There is now nothing to carry. There is no burden anymore. the word means to spare or pardon. For example, the angel of destruction in the land of Goshen children, they were warned that the angel of destruction would come by and would enter all other, other houses except if there was blood on the doorpost. Then he would pass by. He would spare that house. He would no, not come in. And that's what they need. That the age of destruction does not come in, it just passes by and skips on. Spare, pardon, passing by. In the New Testament, is also another word: lifting up, close to the taking away of the burden. So the word means to lift it from your shoulders so that you don't have to carry it any longer. And the fifth word is the giving of peace. You have a conscience that speaks and speaks, holds you guilty, and the Lord takes that sin away so you don't have the feeling of guilt anymore. And the Lord replaces that with peace. It is kind of summarized in Micah 7. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. See that God is so different. Who is the God like unto thee? No comparison, not holy, not unique. And the Lord pardons iniquity. He just walks by, he spares. He passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not keep his anger, doesn't retain it, but he let, he let go. And he delighted even in mercy. What a blessing! Compare also to Luke fifteen about the good shepherd and the lost sheep. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home he calls together his friends and neighbors, say unto them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need. No repentance. What a joy. The forgiveness needed is the forgiveness in God's joy. He delights in mercy. He is not reluctant to forgive, but very willing to forgive. Regarding forgiveness, if you like to study that more often, more deeper... I would say study Psalm 32. It is filled with words about forgiveness. The Psalm of David, blessed is he whose transgression, breaking, rebelling, is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Covered in such a way that nobody can see it anymore. The Lord took care of it. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. It is not transferred to him. The Lord has transferred it to the Lord Jesus. And in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed all through my roaring all the day long. So David remembers that. The guilt was weighing. Nathan had pointed to him, bow at that man, and he broke. And before that, he kept silence, just kept all in. He did not go to his closet. He did not confess his sins to a friend. He kept all to, to, to himself and tried to just deal with it himself. And day and night, the the hand of God was heavy upon it. My moisture was turned into the drought of the summer. Is that you, friend? Just nobody knows. You don't want to tell anyone. You don't even tell the Lord. you almost suffocating. You almost die in it. So listen to the next verse. I acknowledged my sin. It is crucial. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. So there is forgiveness. But you have to admit your sins. You have to let go. It brings you the third part. the goal of forgiveness. What's the goal? The goal is to bring reconciliation, to bring close to God. Not to just have a quiet conscience, not to not go to hell, but the real purpose of forgiveness is to be reconciled with God. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. For he has made them to be sinful for us who knew no sin. See, we called it right before. So the reason of for forgiveness is not imputing the trespasses to be made close to God again. I like 1 Peter three eighteen. For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. That he might bring us to God. Because we are not so close. Such a huge distance, such a chasm, such a ravine, so unbridgeable distance. And who can bring us to God? That is the purpose of forgiveness. Not to give you an, 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 a feeling of peace, but to bring to God. Is that what you desire? to be brought to God, to be close to him. Ephesians 2 also speaks on it, uh, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity divine, and came and preached peace to you which were far off. So far off. And he preached to be to, to, to make to me make, to make close. So the heart of the gospel is the Lord Jesus, right? The forgiveness. But the purpose is something else. The purpose is to bring together to God. That's why we also connect this to a new heart. When the Holy Spirit comes and gives new hearts, there's a desire created. A desire not for forgiveness only. A desire for God. Desire for him. Desire for the Lord Jesus. To be close to him. To see his face. To experience his kindness to me. To be nigh unto him. And if that's the case, then nobody can change that. Like the Heidelberg Catechism says, that is precious and also important for the future. But believers now concerning the forgiveness of sins that God, for the sake of Christ's satisfaction, will no more remember my sins, neither my corrupt nature, against which I have to struggle all my life long but they'll graciously impute to me the righteousness of Christ that I may never be condemned before the tribunal of God. So not be condemned, but be close to him for Christ's satisfaction. Jeremiah 31. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, And every man his brother say, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them and to the greatest of them, said the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. So they all shall know me in heaven and on the earth. Nobody will say, Know the Lord. Know the Lord. You're the Get to know the Lord. They all will know the Lord, from the greatest to the smallest, to the least of them. But the Lord will make sure that they all know Him. And that is a very personal knowledge of Him, very personal relationship with Him. For that reason, Christ had to pay Him. People cannot give it to you, right? Sacraments don't work. Baptism or the Lord's Supper does not forgive your sins. Absolutely not. Some people may think that it's not true. Our own works do not buy heaven. Your repentance, your change, your tears, your impressions, you may feel, you may feel sorry for your sins, they don't solve it. You know what the, what the danger is? If you are sensitive and emotional and you read the Bible and there's something that touches your heart, something in the sermon that just gives you tears in your eyes, you just go home with it. Wow. It's something I just felt in my heart, the truth. And you may feel... Good about that. You may feel happy about it. You may feel actually too happy on it, about it. You may feel kind of, I'm not so indifferent. And the Lord has given me an impression, He has not forgotten about me. Be careful. There is nothing you can bring to the Lord. Of course, there are emotions, there are impressions, they're also valuable. But they don't save you. You should not feel proud of them. You should not feel that you have some money to pay with. Only the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who can save a people from their sins. So where to go then? What is the solution. The solution is to be found only in trusting, in trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. To cast your soul with all sins unreservedly on Christ, what our forefathers said. This is a vile sinner and a qualified saviour. How does he become mine? That is the work of the Holy Spirit. I know. It goes together with regeneration. That's right. But what is especially the bond made? The bond how the sinner comes connected to the Lord Jesus Christ, and how he becomes theirs. This sounds strange. It's only trusting. Only believing in him, only casting your soul with all sins unreservedly on him. Let me prove that from the Bible. It speaks clearly about the necessity of faith in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. He is the one that gives that peace in the heart, that peace that passes all understanding and that is connected to faith. Romans 1, 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it's written, the just shall live by faith. See? By faith. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, in the end, of the world has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. For by one offering... Yet perfected for them that are sanctified. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So, visit your closet. Do not only acknowledge him. Do not only confess your sins. Also, tell your, tell, tell the Lord that you need to trust him. And ask to work that faith in your heart to just trust the Lord Jesus Christ. You would say, only trusting in him, that suffices? Only believing in it, nothing else? Absolutely nothing else. If there's, not, if there's something else added to that, that, that does not help. It is by faith alone, so love, feed. nothing you can pay the Lord. So you say that it's too easy. That's what the Roman Catholic Church said too easy. That is what also the Muslims say. It's too easy. The Christian faith is too easy. You don't have to work. You can also be be saved by just believing, just trusting. And yet, that is the Bible. And easy? I don't think it is. It's so hard for a proud soul to only trust in the Lord Jesus, having nothing to build on having nothing else to present to the Lord, having nothing but sin. Congregation, the question was, what believers now, what believers now, concerning the forgiveness of sins, how is that now personally? But do you believe in this? Do you believe in the forgiveness of sins? You would say, well, I believe it can be given. No, no. That is not the question. The question is how you personally feel about it. But believe it is now. Could you answer it also for yourself? God, for the sake of Christ's satisfaction, will no more remember my sins. That's the purpose of teaching the Hebrew Catechism. You may come to the same conclusion. The forgiveness of sin. It's interesting. Nowhere, nowhere in the Bible is God described as God rich in anything but in mercy. Rich in mercy, nothing else. Rich in mercy. Stretching out his arms into rebels. You ask tonight, but can we have? Too many sins to have them forgiven? Can we be, we be too hard and too worldly? Can we have sin, sins too gross? Can we have sinned too long? The Lord is rich in mercy, infinite, overflowing goodness. And yes, you can be saved as well. He is, as the writer says, he's a billionaire in mercy. And the withdrawals cause his fortune to go, to, to grow. Is that strange? The more he gives, the more his fortune grows of his people. So the Lord continues to save the people from their sins. Believe is on. Believing is the work of the Holy Spirit. Believing is trusting only in Him. You know the example, right? Of the man who was so tired, so tired, he was standing before, standing before his chair. He was just sweating, and his wife said, "Sit down." He said, I'm too tired for that. And he said, No, you cannot you can be too tired to stand up. You cannot be too tired to sit down. And then he just go and just fell in the chair. With all shortcomings, it's a good example of true same faith. True faith is not doing something, not Grabbing something, not paying something, but to save him is doing nothing. Let him do it, and just come to the end of your works and just sit down. Let him save you to let go, or oh, may that happen tonight, that you in your closet or, or, or in church this, this evening, that you can let go that you may trust in that sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ because there is no other one and it is sufficient you can't add anything who needeth not daily uh, as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the sins of his people for this he did once this he did once, Then he offered of himself, once. Look it up in Hebrews, how often there. The Lord Jesus died once. When he died, he paid the price. He paid the price for the elect. He paid the price for the people that he will save. He paid the price for them that will believe in him. He makes them to believe in him. He paid for that. He paid for the application. So he forgives his people their sins because he is first. Now someone is asking, don't we first need to confess our sins before they can be forgiven? Do you need to confess your sins before they can be be forgiven? Well, in a sense, I know what you mean. I would say no. Can you forgive someone who does not confess to you what he did wrong? You say, I'm not going to forgive you because you don't acknowledge it. You don't confess it, so I'm not going to forgive you. That is so wrong. Forgive before they confess. So the Lord Jesus, He paid the price before, and He made them to believe in Him. That is the work of the Almighty God. Numbers fourteen: The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the third and fourth generation. So he's just. He needs to also find justice. But at the same time, he is also saving his people. And when the Lord gives the faith, immediately, at the, at the, at the, at the very, very moment, they are saved. The very moment they are God's people, their sins are all forgiven. They may not feel it that way. They may may need to go through through a process of digesting that, what it all means. Right? So it feels that they are first confessing their sins before they have the peace in their heart. From our perspective. So, how we feel. But from God's perspective, forgiveness is first. And then a new heart. Because the forgiveness of sins is part of it. Forgiveness of sins. We talked about the need, the definition, the goal, and now the belief. Take it to your closet. Digest it and don't let go until he blesses you. Amen.